All right, welcome back to Voices from the Staircase. Um, I'm here with a very special brother, mashallah, brother Daniel, who's had a very interesting and enlightened life. Went from doing time 15 plus years to finding the dean to living a crazy life in Baltimore with some some of the real characters that America's favorite characters, actually, you know? Um, welcome, brother. Jazakallah khair for having us here. Uh, in your beautiful home. Uh, this is very endearing, you know, for, for letting us here. The whole town is looking for a studio, but you suggested me to come to your home, mashallah, you know. Jazakallah khair again. Um, brother Daniel, um, let's just start off with your early life, you know. Um, uh, you were born in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala nabihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Uh, it's best to always start off with uh, mentioning Allah and putting uh, praise upon his prophet, you know, giving, uh, putting salawat uh, on his prophet. Say, so, you know, because the angels, they descend. Uh, and, and this whole uh, podcast, uh, for me, and I, uh, clearly from you, is about... Uh, and bringing enlightenment to youth and other 100%. people. It's not just about glorifying street life. Mm. There's lessons that come with that. So inshallah, like, although we'll go into things, but we always want to uh, make, understand that, you know, the dean is the most important thing. So uh, with that being said, yeah, I was born in uh, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Uh, my mother was there for, um, she was there. She had a husband who was in the penitentiary at the time. Uh, she ended up meeting my father while her husband was doing time. And, you know, in that lifestyle, things happen. And I was uh, born, <laughs> so to speak. So, yeah, uh, uh, born in Saskatchewan. Uh, not long afterwards, my mother, she ended up having uh, some, she got into some trouble with the law. Instead of doing the time, she decided that it was better for her to... Uh, to leave yeah so she left and at that time it wasn't hard to get across borders and stuff like that pre 9-11 yeah this is like 1970s this is 74 okay like yeah that, right? i wonder how it was bro it's like there's was there no uh border police or nothing well i was a baby at the time yeah, yeah, yeah. but but me being told no just pretty much straight shots it wasn't hard to uh to, wow. to go at that time you didn't even need a passport mm -hmm. driver's license or id and you could just go back and forth after 9-11, of yeah. course, we know all that changed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so she ended up going there. She she left Canada, uh, went to the United States. You know, she had a drug, drug problem. Uh, we ended up living in California for a while. Things didn't work out. And then that's when we moved to Baltimore. Yeah, so yeah. how old were you when you got to Baltimore? Seven-ish. Seven-eight. So yeah, that's basically... Seven. Kid, kid. Your kid, super kid, yeah, super kid, yeah, yeah, mashallah. Okay, um, so how's life in Baltimore, man? Is it like because from what we know of Baltimore, it's like row houses all boarded up, uh, like crooked police. There's a new show right now, I forgot the name of it, that talks about like just the police drug raiding people, robbing them. It's a very like tough, nitty gritty city, you know, it's very tough. So, um, how was it growing up in the like the 80s, right? Yeah, 80s and then into the 90s, into, into the 90s, years, yeah. Whatever. I can remember, um. When you talk about corrupt police or whatever, um, I can remember one time being a kid and um, we on the corner, might be uh, nine, 10 years old maybe. And we on the corner and because that's what we do, like you say, it's congested. There's a lot of people. And um, as I'm on the corner, we giving the hard, police a hard time. Like he telling us get off the corner. We telling him F you, da 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 da, doing what kids do. Mm -hmm. 
He comes back. He tells us, like, get off the corner again. You keep uh, doing, I'm going to take you down Charles Hickey. Charles Hickey's like juvenile hall at that time. Yeah. Um, training school. Comes back a third time. You know, when you're telling him F you, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Jumps out of his car, grabs me, and punches me in my face as hard as he could. Wow. I don't know if it was as hard as he could, but it dummied me. Yeah. Like, I, he hit me so hard that not only did it hurt, did it hurt my feelings? Mm-hmm. I was I was crying because I felt like helpless, helpless. And I remember like seeing um seeing like people like get the f off of him. He's a kid. Da 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 da. This that and the other. And anyways, that was it. But from that moment in my life, I can remember how much that incident had an effect on my life. Like just um the trust, the trust not being there for uh, police officers. Hundred percent understanding that. From that moment on, I didn't like police. And to this day, I've changed so much, but I still have a certain amount of distrust and Absolutely, is, absolutely, right? 100%. Of lifestyle and stuff Yeah, because like you're looking at them like you're supposed to be following the law and, and you're supposed to be a law-abiding servant to this community mm-hmm. and you're out here harming nine, 10-year-olds, mm-hmm. punching them in the face. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Left like a black eye, anything? Just like. My whole face is numb, swollen, or whatever. Mm-hmm. No repercussions. No like uh, write ups. No write ups. No nothing. No like, no cam- no no cameras back no in the cameras day. Back anyone? Then. Yeah, that's no that's insane. Right he just did it and was like, and years later, I remember like seeing him like years later or whatever. And I thought about uh, <laughs> thought about doing something. Yeah, him, yeah. Like more of a, mm-hmm. but I I remember hating him. Like mm-hmm. saying like if I could ever get him, if I could ever get him, yeah. or whatever. Right. Yeah, oh my so. god. So um, you being from like a Canadian or white young male in Baltimore. I'm, I'm assuming you grew up in the hood. Yeah, the only white boy. The only white boy in the hood. Oh, how's, how's that dynamic? It was cool. Like people always say, oh, you know, was there uh, racism or whatever? Mm-hmm. Not really because it's only me mm-hmm. and I could play sports real good. Okay. I could play up a hoop. I could play basketball, you know, basketball, baseball, football. I played all of them and I was good. So dudes like, gravitated toward me older dudes Mm -hmm. you know they knew me and i was the only one so people was like uh i was just one of them yeah 100 high school or whatever when i went to uh to move high schools they didn't know that i had already been used to that and they called my mother to the school and they say we we just want you to know that your son is going to be our only white student and she was like nah he's good like (laughs) yeah 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 all right yeah so and it was like uh I have pictures or whatever I could show, like yeah. you know, three hundred of us and me. Oh wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. It's like, yeah. So you're one of your. They took you in as one of them. They took me. That's how. That's how usually is. Watch, you know. Right. And then you earn your stripes. You know, put yeah. a little one two on a couple. Yeah, of yeah, one whatever. two you fights. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm gonna fix them. What's covering my face? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad. Okay, good, good. So, um, uh, growing up in growing up in Baltimore, like you said, at that at a very young age, that 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 tragic thing happened to you, a cop putting hands on you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, did that lead you into the street life, or how how did I end up going? Honestly, bro, I can't remember anything but the street life. Mm-hmm. Like I know that's people probably say that, but um, my mother was addicted to heroin, so I was like uh, I was always around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Being though I didn't have a father, I didn't have any other relatives in the United States. It was just her. So 
she tried to uh, shelter me from some things, but you can't. I seen it all. I saw everything that she was going through, and I literally had the weight on my shoulders as a as a young man. Yeah, like I felt like I could feel the um the pressure of life, and I'm only six, seven, eight years old, like trying to protect her, mm-hmm. but really knowing that yeah. you know she's involved with her own life. So yeah, it was um. Uh, as far as I can remember, there was always some type of illegal activity mm-hmm. or something going on. And then um, and as I got older, of course, like I remember you was getting money. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, that's who we glorify. Yeah. You know, 100% come with the nice clean cars, clean, yeah. looking clean, track suits, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty much um yeah, I used to though. Like I grew up, uh, like in my my uh, younger days, I grew up in a place called Windsor, Ontario. You know, mm-hmm. and Windsor is kind of like kind of like a little run downtown. You know, mm-hmm. and I remember going to school, and there used to be some kid. Like I was maybe third grade. There's a kid in the fourth grade named Jeremy. If you're if you're out here, you know, shout out to you, man. But he used to steal cigarettes from his mom, bro. Okay, still steal money from her purse. She used to be like, you know, strung out on drugs. Yeah, and he'd be we'd be walking to school. He'd be smoking a cigarette. You know, mm-hmm. so. At that young age, like you seeing that type of stuff around you, like, Absolutely. Um, did you end up like maybe stealing something from from the table and maybe going outside selling it or? How we, did, stole, how- we stole from as far back as I can remember. That's what we did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We stole. We you know when we went in stores or whatever, we stole. Um, like that was the the norm. Yeah. Uh, how much influence people have on you? Uh, we, when I was coming up. Uh, of course, people smoke marijuana or whatever like they do nowadays, but uh, sniffing heroin mm-hmm. was like uh, what all of the older dudes, that's what they did. And they was getting like they, money. They, they, yeah, they get money and people used to do that. They yeah, that's crazy. Money. They, we, you know, people always see people on heroin, they think about it. Smoking it. Not like even shooting, sniffing it. Shooting, shooting mm-hmm. drugs or whatever. But where I come from, that was like the norm. And I can remember being young and we like uh, mimicked Mm-hmm. We have a dollar bill and it'd be like 10 of us or whatever. We have the bill and there's nothing in it. We take it. We act like, and then we pass the bill and then we act like we nod and talk and stuff, just like wow. the older kids. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, when you go back later on, you mm-hmm. realize like, man. That had an impression on me. That had an impression on us. That's how how mm-hmm. uh, easy it is to get caught up in mm-hmm. uh, in things. Right oh, that's now. that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um. So do you fall into like what was the first time you've ever gotten incarcerated? Like do you went to juvenile? Yeah, I didn't I wasn't big on uh getting caught. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't I, I was actually uh I was pretty good, especially being the only white boy yeah. in the neighborhood. I, I didn't go to I had a, a couple gun charges, mm-hmm. um, a couple little small drug charges, but it was like beatable. Mm-hmm. They always were. And the thing about Baltimore is uh it's always flooded with so much that it's easy to get stuff thrown out or whatever. Yeah. Right? So I was always, I uh, remember an old dude told me, he said, you can get in trouble. You just can't get in trouble while you're in trouble. Yeah. Right? Okay. So yeah. That always stuck with me. And I was like, whenever I have a little uh, court case I'm going through, I always real mindful of not you- getting locked up again mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like uh, groomed at an early age to, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And I moved in a good way. Yeah. You know, for that lifestyle. Yeah, you moved correct. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So um, so from the wire, we see like they had they put young kids on from a very, very early age, you Mm -hmm. know? So were you were you put on from your neighborhood? What neighborhood did you grow up in? Uh, well, I grew up like you say, when you got a mother on drugs, Mm -hmm. you end up living all over the place. All over the place. So 
West Baltimore, Baltimore County, mm-hmm. back over east, like different places. Okay. You know, you, you end up moving a lot. Right? And you're making a lot of friends. In the, making in the, friends, mm-hmm. going everywhere. And then, like I say, playing ball. When, whenever you went to play ball, I'd meet people because we play against this person or that mm-hmm. person. And you end up, and then going mm-hmm. to a lot of schools, yeah. a lot of different schools. Mm-hmm. So I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And then being the only white boy, everybody knows me. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah. But it was one dude Um, going back to... uh. The first person I ever uh, like hustled for, or whatever, there was a guy named uh, Mo, and uh, Mo was like, uh, he always liked me, mm-hmm. and he was young and he was getting it, mm-hmm. like getting it, getting it, and I could see that, and he like right away I used to just hold stuff for him, hold drugs at my house, and it wasn't long before uh, he had all the cars, everything like that, and I became, you know, like his right hand man even though i was young he was pimping me now that i look back right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was pimping me should have been giving me a lot more money but he took care of me and he had genuine love for me and um that was like my idol and he taught me a lot and um then he ended up going to prison they gave him a he had a super kingpin charge oh my gave god him 45 years with the feds and um he did his time but from that i always like learned and i knew that to get money it wasn't baltimore wasn't the, the place to cop you had to go to new york or down south miami or texas or whatever yeah. like so at an early age 16 years old i was already making trips up new york like i was already you know going up buying my own thing for cheaper coming down you know getting money and it's like uh yeah yeah, yeah. so uh when did you end up getting caught up in the, the uh caught up in going and doing your stretch uh i ended up going to prison and how old were you 23 Oh, wow. I ended up going to prison at 23 and I came home when I was 39. So they gave me um, they gave me 30 years. I had two first degree attempted murders and a handgun charge. I was facing double life in 165 years. So uh, I ended up. Uh, so you want to you tell us like the kind of this little story, like what, what happened? Yeah. Um, and like, what, why'd you lose your cool or was it was it pride? It was five years later. Like mm. I ended up. Uh, getting hit up, mm-hmm. shot, all that stuff. And um, I kind of knew who was responsible for doing it. Was it beef? Was it jealousy? Uh, kind of like a beef, like a, or a jealousy. Do you saying that we can't hustle around here? Okay. We grew up with him. Mm-hmm. We all grew up together. It'd be like you telling your your, mm-hmm. your friend who, you can't go to Tim Hortons no more. Well, we've been going to Tim Hortons for the last. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Tim Hortons. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, a shooting happened. A couple of us got shot. Um, he he went away, but not for that. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was people saying like um, that we we told. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, do the match. Like one person got killed, another person, um, two other people got shot. He's in jail for six years. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, and that really happened, he would have been in jail for, for a double the, life, yeah. or whatever, right? So anyway, um, when he comes home, when he comes home, uh, you know, it's like there's bad blood still mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. all of this. So uh, and you lost your friend too, huh? And you lost a lost friend. Lost a friend. So um, you know, like uh, Baltimore's small. It's 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 big in terms of uh, how it moves, but it's really small. You're gonna see each other. Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew. Uh, he had intentions on doing something to me 
And I wasn't going to let nobody. I had, number one, I had uh, revenge on my mind for what happened. And number two is um, a lot of times people get killed or shot just for the fact that out of fear um, of them doing something to you. You may mm-hmm. not want to do something to somebody, but you know if I don't do something to him, he might do something to me. So therefore, I got to act first. And I ended up catching the dude. I caught him, hit him up a bunch of times, and he lived. And he told. Wow. Right? So he told. They came to me. Um, they, and I dipped. I left, uh, I left Baltimore on, uh, on the run, and I came to Canada. And um, I hooked back up with my father, who I really never knew my, my whole life. Met him when I was like 15 or whatever. But I come up here and he's living in Fox Creek, Alberta. Uh, and I go to I go to Fox Creek. I get across the border because like I say, it's still- You drove through? I caught the bus. Mm. I caught a bus. He picked me up on the American side and drove me back through. Got through way easier than I thought. What year is this? This is 2000. Oh, wow. February, February, March. Mm. I stayed on the run for like- uh, I stayed in the States on the run for like maybe a week. And then I caught a three-day bus ride from from uh, Philadelphia. I went from Philly to uh, Philly to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to Cleveland, Cleveland to Chicago, Chicago to Minnesota, Minnesota to Wisconsin, Wisconsin to North Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota, up to Montana. Mm-hmm. He picked me up on the Montana Wow. Side. And we, uh, we went through. But you got to understand, when I got through and I'm in Fox Creek, Alberta, coming from Baltimore, mm-hmm. Living the type of lifestyle that I live going 100 miles an hour, mm-hmm. Fox Creek, Alberta is not the fastest place. It's a farm, right? So to me, it's like I might as well be in prison. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, I. Um, how's your relationship? How was how was it meeting your father for the first? Like, was it the first time? I met him before, mm-hmm. but I didn't ever had mm-hmm. a real relationship with him. Mm-hmm. But and at this time, he had already had two kids. So it was my meeting my little brother, who's like four years old at the time, my little sister, who's two. Mm-hmm. And meeting them. How was that connection? Being the only child, then meeting two of your half siblings. It's, it's were you kind of jealous? Were you upset? Like no, they have a father. Some people might think like that. Like oh, he, he not not saying you, but like no. some people think oh, this guy has a chance to live with my dad. Like he has a father in his life. You know. I, I just wanted, um, I just wanted to have a connection with family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't mm-hmm. know, I didn't know how to feel. Yeah. And I didn't know why I felt like I felt. Okay. And then also. Um, being facing so much of the things I was facing, I'm not worried. I'm worried about me. Okay, I, I have another question. Yeah. Did you have any animosity towards your dad? Like, if you're a better father, I wouldn't be in the situation I am in today. Later on down mm. the line. Like, later on down the line when I realized um, uh, the significance of a father. Mm. Uh, me coming home, me coming home and getting deported to Canada. I was living in Edmonton. And I was married and ended up going through a divorce. And when I went through the divorce, um, here I am, my my wife, she ends up, uh, my ex-wife, she takes my two sons and brings them to Ottawa. Now, I'm in between jobs at this time, but I said to myself, I have to be a part of my kids' lives. Absolutely. So I left Edmonton and moved to Ottawa, mm-hmm. right? Which isn't easy. It's right? not. Cross country. Cross country. But at that moment, it was because my father, the moves that he made, I said, I'm, I can't do that. I got to be reachable. I got to be a part of their lives because I realized the significance of not having a father in today's times 
importance of it. And I said, man, I gotta, I gotta be a part of these kids' lives because they don't ask to be here. We brought them here mm-hmm. by the permission of Allah. So because of that, like many of the decisions that I make are based upon what my father didn't do. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta be there by my kids. So I never, I didn't, um, there was no love and it bothered me that I was empty inside. I, I couldn't really love my, I loved them. I know exactly what you mean. I know what you mean, bro. But yeah. they're strangers. Yeah. And I have this big family. And they're like, you can't fake feelings, you know? You can't fake feelings. Yeah. That's, point. That's how it is. You can't, can't fake feeling. Fake You're trying to feel, but you can't feel. You can't. There's this emptiness. Yeah. But, it's, but you you know, with due time and patience, you know, sure. uh, uh, yeah. you'd, you'd make it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're up in Fox Creek. How did they, they find you in Fox Creek, Alberta? This is what happens. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame when I say this, but um, I'm like, uh, Talking to him, and I realized that this Fox Creek Canada thing mm. was gonna go. My mind saying, "Okay, I'm gonna start getting some money in Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that." And I realized, like, it ain't gonna happen. I said, "Okay, I can go back and try to like maybe finish the dude or whatever." Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, I'm beefing, I'm fighting depression mm-hmm. and a lot of things. Because for some people, you know, talking to my hoyo, talking to my mom, I'm telling her, I'm like, uh. uh She's telling me, advising me, like, you can be on the run. You can do it. I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, she's a solid mom. <laughs> 30 years. Yeah. Da, 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 yeah. I did it. I was on the run for all that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still on the run. Mm-hmm. Whatever, right? So she's telling me, you can do it. But for me, number one, my mom's charges weren't anywhere as significant yeah. as mine. For me, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It just, being on the run is not my thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, I can't do it. So I was like, okay, I need to do two things. I need, even need to turn myself in. Um go back, do something. Like, I'm kind of lost. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. So I was like, um, contemplating suicide. You know it's what I mean? Like, oh, oh, yeah. I'm keeping it 100. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Anybody That's who tough, tells you yeah. that they were in prison facing this, facing that, right? Shaitan, he, he's going to whisper that too. Mm-hmm. And I was already Muslim, but I wasn't oh, like practicing. Wow. So, so how do that, that uh, me personally, no mm-hmm. disrespect, I thought you found Islam Inside, inside jail. No, no, no. Inside the prison system. Okay. How'd you find Islam? Okay. Uh, number one, mm-hmm. people don't find Islam. Islam finds them. Islam finds them. Allah already yeah. makes Muslims. He who, Allah guides, no one can misguide you. No Allah one. misguides, no, nobody can guide, right? So coming up, I had a, a really good friend of mine uh, named Ibn Kaysen. Shout out to Ibn. Oh, mashallah. And um, he, uh, he's like my best friend, one of my best friends growing up. And uh, his father was an imam at a masjid. And at this time, like, uh, Islam isn't too big in Baltimore, mm-hmm. but uh, he he's like, he's on it or whatever. What's and his background, if you don't mind me asking? African-American. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Was there other um, Muslims or, like, other ethnicities that lived in Baltimore at the time? Because now there's, I see some Sudanese Muslims Probably, there. but I didn't really know. Okay. I okay. Knew. Yeah. I, it was till I came to Canada. Mm-hmm. I, I see black people and think that they're going to be like my kind of black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they Africans. Yeah, the right? Africans, yeah. So there is no, like, there's no, Different like... Different cultures and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I didn't understand, like, Africa at all until mm. I came to Canada. Okay. I know East, East Africa, West Africa. I knew mm. the difference between, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, Somali, mm. Djiboutians, mm. like, uh, Eritreans, mm. Ethiopians. Like, I didn't know none of that. Yeah. Right? The only Africans I dealt with was the Nigerians who was correctional officers 
in the joint. Yeah. And I knew I hated them. Right? <laughs> to this day, I was like, when I meet a Nigerian, first thing I think of, like, one a, of them, a CO, like yeah. CO, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. So um, he was the first man that I had ever been around who was a man. The imam. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was a man. He was, uh, when I felt, when I was around him, even as a kid, I felt safe. You know what I mean? I just felt safe. Not a, like, protection of a street dude, but mm -hmm. just, I felt confident confident in just being with him. He felt like he had the uh, situation under control, and he wasn't even my father, right? So um, oftentimes, you, um, when I look back, I say, man, like, that's the... That's one of the provisions that Allah gives. Like he, he, he gives you that certain strength, right? So anyway, um, uh, he told me he used to like, uh, he sent his son, Ibn, to uh, Canada to memorize Quran, actually. Where in Canada? And um, what's the place called? Uh, Ajax? No, 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 no. It's uh, right here in Ontario. Cornwall. Okay. The Islamic school there. Mm -hmm. He sent him there and he uh, almost finished. And he came back. Um, when he came back, he ended up uh, getting in contact with me, of course, but I'm heavy in the streets. His brother is older than us, but, you know, we're around each other, whatever. His brother is um, boxing now at the time. So his brother's like um, big into boxing, goes ahead and um, he's professional now. He's on TV doing his thing. And um, I was, I was like um, in the streets heavy, Going battling depression, but people really don't know. But um, I was like, man, I need to make a, a change. Mm -hmm. And we were going to a fight at the Apollo in New York. And uh, his father, his couple of his brothers, and me, and we're going to this fight. And on the trip up, his father's telling me, like, you know, you need to tell me about Islam, da 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 da. And um, I was like, man, I need to do this. I need to, because I could see. You know, like mm -hmm. what's, what I'm doing and what we're doing ain't working. Yeah. Right. And from what he was explaining to me, it wasn't so much about uh, the religion being correct because I wasn't smart enough to be able to figure out what's correct and what's not, not correct. But I knew this. I want what he got in terms of security and manhood. And, and he peace. had that light. He had mm -hmm. that north. Okay. He had that light. He had that strength, that inner strength that only Allah can give. And I was saying to myself, um, yeah, I want to take Shahada or whatever. And kept taking my time bull jiving or whatever. And I remember um, before my Ibn was coming back up to uh, Canada, I was like, man, I want to take Shahada. And I took Shahada. But of course, I didn't learn how to pray. I didn't learn nothing. We go to Juma every now and then, you know, as a homeboy thing, mm -hmm. we hook up, go to Juma. But I never learned anything or whatever. And I remember one time uh, I was drunk. <coughs> I ended up uh, calling the father. His name is Yahya, and I was like, "I need to get myself together. I need to come." I was like, "Okay, meet me at the store tomorrow." I took me to Juma, and gave the cup bar. And I remember like knowing like that I need to do this. And on my bus ride, I remember I bought my first Quran from a crackhead. He just came home from jail, <laughs> and he had a he had a, he had a <laughs> translation of the Quran. Yeah. and he was like, "Um, I was like, oh man, you got a Quran?" He was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, I was Muslim in the joint or whatever." Like, man, I bought it for me. And I remember I gave him a piece of ready rock you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the Quran. Wow, right? yeah. SubhanAllah, right? SubhanAllah. But I, I had that, I had that Quran with me on my bus ride from Montana to mm -hmm. Montana. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading it and I was reading it and stuff like this. And not knowing whether I was gonna hurt myself 
take my life or whatever I was going to do. When I ended up um, going into prison, I ended up going to the border and I'm sitting there and I can tell they kind of on me a little bit because at this time, you know, I'm all over the news, people looking for me or whatever. They know I got Canadian roots. I can see the way they're looking at me. And I just finally was like, hey, I'm here to turn myself in. Right at the border. I was coming back to, to yeah. Baltimore. I'm right at the border. I'm like, I'm here to turn myself in. They went ahead, locked me up. And now I'm waiting for um, waiting for Baltimore to come get me. Mm-hmm. And while I'm waiting, as soon as I got in, I was like, man, that was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to take my life. SubhanAllah. Yeah. Back then, there's no there's no uh, mental health, well, PTSD. I know, but people, it wasn't, people aren't aware of it. I'm in a small, like, uh, prison or, like, sheriff's office. And this is, like a, this is Montana? Yeah, nine, 2000, beginning of 2000. And I'm in there, and there's not many people. They won't even put me in population with the other three people because of the seriousness of my charges or whatever. Mm. And I can remember one guy was asking about a Bible. I could hear him talking to the officer. And um, I said, I was like, you know what? I asked the CEO, I said, can you get my stuff? Because they had little stuff that I had with me. And I said, I have a Quran in there or whatever. And he was like, he didn't know what that was, but he got it for me. And I remember reading my Quran and I was like, at this time, I'm just, it's not an if, it's when. I'm going to kill myself. I just need the opportunity to get somewhere where I can do it. Mm. And I remember making dua. And I was like, yeah, Allah. I can't do this. Like, I can't do this time. I can't live this life unless you help me. I need your help. And wallahi, brother, I tell you the strength, the power of dua. The minute I said that dua, I became strong. I literally had a physical feeling come over me. And I was like, I got this. Like, I got this. I can do this. And that do I carried me for a number of for a long time until you know other things mm-hmm. happened, but mm-hmm. that was it. And then uh Marilyn came and got me, blew me back, and um Conair. <laughs> yeah, Conair. Actually commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, commercial oh, flight. Man. Like, yeah, they put you in the back. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool for the people because when I took their seat, they got to move up to first class. Oh, nice. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're so, happy. Yeah, they happy yeah. <laughs> That's good. Then you landed you landed in Baltimore. Landed in Baltimore, went through the proceedings. Of course, no, no lawyer. Bail, no bail. Nope. No nothing. Like they mm. gave me no bail. I went there and I'm, you know, I'm facing charges. I got a little bit of scratch so I can pay for a lawyer. I got a lawyer. And my lawyer, you know, he's gonna tell me what I want to hear. He's like, you're gonna only get this much. I had no idea I was gonna get 30 years. Mm. Right. So I What was he initially telling you? Telling me like uh 12, 12, 13, then we'll go for modification, da 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 And at this time, do you know that the guy uh, informed on you? Is right he going to tell on me? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he he already, um, mm-hmm. it's clear. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and how about the the, 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 the your friends that you're hustling with outside? Were they, were they, they were, on him? Were they, they trying on to? Him, yeah. They on him, but he, you know, he ain't no dummy. He ain't yeah. no come in the hood. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's in bad shape. Mm-hmm. You know, I hit him 10 times. Okay. So it's like, he ain't really moving. Mm-hmm. Like he was before anyway, right? Yeah. Now his life's going to change. But yeah, so they came, their first offer was 45. And I was like, 45? How do you do 45? Yeah. Like, How? Yeah. And then uh, eventually it got, my lawyer's telling me, you can't go to trial. Mm-hmm. If you go to trial, there's a possibility they give you life. 
Mm-hmm. And it's better that you take this number. And I was like, well, what's my mom say? She's like, she's just happy that you're going to have a chance to come home with mm-hmm. this. And so I took 30 years. I took uh, 30 years, first five, no parole. And I got to do 15 years before I even go have a chance to go off of parole. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, I got to do this. But you always have the hope. Yeah. You always have the hope. You know, you're filing this motion. You're mm. filing that. You always have hope that you'll be able to get that. There's a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. Well, even even without that light of 30 years, you're always saying, I'm going to file for this modification of sentence where they can reduce my sentence. Mm. So I'm going to file. You're optimistic. Optimistic. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, mm-hmm. and then before you know it, you got enough time and that you're like, okay, this thing is almost mm-hmm. over. Right? So how's the, how's the prison system in the United States? Because here in Canada, we have like... We, we always hear about the, you know the stuff in the movies like oh it's like this happens there's rapes there's drugs there's this there's that is like how how is it you yes know? everything is is that the only uh, thing I have to clear up when I watch uh, prison shows or whatever mm-hmm. they make it seem like it's one big orgy going on in there yeah <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah everybody the, just in there having sex yeah hundred percent guards with other mm-hmm. inmates with this yeah. that. And it's not like that. Mm-hmm. And the rape thing, they mm-hmm. make it seem like everybody's going to try you to get raped. Mm-hmm. Like you're uh, fighting people off the moment no, you step man, through no, those walls. Yeah. Like that. Is mm-hmm. there sex going on? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But most of the guys who are involved with that are already guys who like guys. It's voluntary type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. They doing their thing. And yeah, and it's known. Fun. They're known. They're known. And then the, yeah, known. It's yeah. not a thing. Throughout my incarceration of 16 years, uh, I know one rape for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't a thing where you, everybody, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. Okay. I got another question for you, brother. Um, you being the only white guy in Baltimore, in but yeah, in, in prison? In prison. So the whole state, like, but I'm thinking like, once you get sentenced to those, the fed, they send you up to the feds and in, you're in Maryland where it's the entire state, you know? No, see the difference between uh, Canada and the U S in terms mm-hmm. of prison systems mm-hmm. You guys go by federal mm-hmm. and uh, provincial. Yeah. And it's based upon your time. Mm-hmm. With In Baltimore, we got federal and state, mm-hmm. but it's based upon your crime. Okay. Meaning mm-hmm. that if you rob a bank, it's a, it's a federal, federal charge, so you're going with the feds. Mm-hmm. And the feds mean you could end up anywhere in the country, yeah. similar to Canada. Mm-hmm. If you rob a liquor store, you're going to get sentenced with the state. Which means you're going to be in the state, mm-hmm. right? So it's not about. Um, so I ended up with the state because my you get a drug kingpin charge, mm-hmm. and the FBI indicts you. You're going with the feds. If you get a drug charge, but it's just a state charge, you're going with the state. So okay, so your charge was state charge. State charge. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say because you know like we hear about like there's race, Aryan Brotherhood, and stuff like that. So I, I th- it is mm-hmm. it is in the feds mm-hmm. more because um it's crazy because in in Maryland. Baltimore and D.C., they beef, mm-hmm. right? In the state joints. Yeah. They always beef. And a lot of D.C. dudes, a lot of Baltimore dudes in that same joint, and they beef. But when they go with the feds, they're together. Yeah. They, they're allies, right? Because they're close in proximity. Yeah. Anybody from Home like, team. Yeah, home team. Yeah. Philly, Baltimore, New York, D.C., all that stuff, they're going to stick together. With East the Coast. Mm-hmm. East Coast. And they're going to be beefing with like L.A., da-da-da-da. You know, yeah, yeah, down south, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you took your, so you you're, you just got sentenced to 15 years, you're 23 years. 30 years. 30 years. 30 years yeah. My God. Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, then you did half your time. But, but anyways, yeah. um, you're in there. Mm-hmm. Um, So 
how was your first couple of days? How was it like getting acclimated? Yeah, how was it like, you know? I was already young. I knew everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like a high school reunion almost. Okay. My whole city, my whole, I knew everybody was in there. I knew dudes in every joint. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I knew, I knew people. So that wasn't the hard part. Um, prison was more of a mental challenge than anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, okay. knowing that you're going to have to do, you know, yeah. all this time, right? Yeah. Worrying about, you know, is my mother going to live long enough for me to mm -hmm. make it home? How am I gonna do all this? But Islam, Islam cured all of that. So this is so this is you, twenty three years old. So this is when you run into the the the, the homies from the the the, the wire. Yes, well, I knew a lot of. Oh, so you want you by, went to like school through their mm -hmm. names, mm -hmm. you know, through names, but yeah, like uh, the wire came on like in the early two thousands. Yeah. So this is it comes out after like maybe a few years while you're in jail. While I'm in jail. And it's playing on HBO. I don't know. Was it playing? Was it playing the prison system? Yeah, but we didn't get it. We oh. didn't get it. Mm -hmm. We didn't have HBO or anything. But we they're writing about it. Certain places, but I didn't. We didn't get it. And then all of a sudden, BET. We had BET on mm -hmm. one of the channels. BET started airing it. Okay. So like, uh, all the you know we're in the show. Like I think it came on Wednesday nights. And Wednesday nights, like. I'm not even coming out for last rack. I'm gonna watch this show, mm -hmm. and I was like, like they'd show one season and then they cut it off for like I don't know, three four months until they're gonna show another season. Yeah, yeah. But we'd be waiting for it. So, right? but you actually know these like you lived through this. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So how was it being inside, and you actually knowing some of the characters they they they're talking about? It's cool. It's a trip. It's though, a trip, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, we're watching it, and you know, we seeing like. And were they getting money from it? No. Zero dollars. This their story. Zero dollars because it. it's not it's not really uh it's not their story in detail. Mm -hmm. It's not like word for word, right? It's just mm -hmm. uh, what they did was a guy named I think David Simon. He took the he took like the police reports from like 1986. He knew all the movers and shakers from that time, and he just came up with a lot of the popular names from Murphy Holmes, Lexington Terror, stuff like that, and he created this show. And they already had a show called Homicide mm -hmm. uh, from the streets of Baltimore or whatever. And they pivoted off of that show. And uh, Yeah. I remember. I think there's a show. Or was it The Corner or something like that? Well, The Corner was another one. That was like a little uh, mini series or whatever. That, like, that uh, kicked off. Kicked that, off. That, mm -hmm. But it wasn't really uh, necessarily uh, based on the same thing. More mm -hmm. heroin addiction, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But uh, Homicide was actually a show based on Baltimore, based on homicide reports. Okay. And they, they saw the need, like, The Wire is a good show. Yeah, it's, Obama's was one of Obama's favorite shows, you yeah, know? Yeah, you can't go wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was... Um, uh, so which, are the, which one of the characters did you, like, puzzle together while you're sitting in there saying, yo, this might be... No, right away. Like, right you away? You see people, you know, like, growing up, we know that, like... Bodie Boxdale. Mm -hmm. It's a big name. We know who this is. Marlo. Bodie, not the not the small kid in the character uh, in, the, in, the, in the show, but like the real one. The real one, which is like well, Avon, right? Yeah, but yeah. So Bodie, Marlo, uh, like a lot of the names, there's a real stringer. Um, I don't know Stringer personally, but a lot of dudes that I used to be with, they know him. He's older than, mm -hmm. than me, right? Um, we knew that Cuddy Wise was Dennis Wise. Mm -hmm. We knew that um, Marlo stands for. We knew that was Marlo. Um, we knew that um, Omar. So, How about Omar? Omar is like you know the Omar. Uh, to, to me being like a little younger than you are. Yeah. Omar, watching the wire. Omar is the first a homosexual character we've ever seen. Yeah. And we're caught in a calamity because he's so gangster, but right. yet he's 
You know what I'm saying? On the other side of the fence. And it was like such a like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like, should I watch it? Should I not watch it? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because uh, not just for you, Mm -hmm. for, um, for me, Mm -hmm. uh, born in a joint and dudes having like big respect and carrying it like men, like, like honor, honor. Mm -hmm. And then you find out like when he was in the penitentiary, he was getting down with boys. Not just, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about Omar, mm-hmm. I'm just saying like dudes in general. Yeah, yeah. And it like mess your mind up because mm-hmm. these guys is like, they was they was like telling people what the rules were. These are the rules. That, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that. And you live by these rules, these morals and principles that we all say we had. And then you find out that this dude was a butt mm-hmm. bandit. He mm-hmm. was taking not only like, uh, remember I said I didn't know about a, mm-hmm. a lot of rapes. In my era in prison, it wasn't prevalent, but apparently... Before my time, uh, in the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. it was much bigger. Yeah, right. So, and then you got to realize these dudes all had life, and that doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. to me. I remember people would ask me, say, "Oh, you did, uh, you did uh, sixteen years. You had thirty years. You ain't never think about messing with a boy." And I say, "Bro, if I had five thousand years, yeah, uh, Chris over there mm-hmm. ain't never gonna be attractive." Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. You never gonna look good to mm-hmm. me, bro. Hundred percent. Yeah. How many? How yeah. Many girls Thank you. Like you? You're yeah. Never gonna look hundred percent. Like you're yeah. always gonna look like you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no diss to anybody, yeah. but that's just it. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Or you're not. Yeah. So that's but the, that type of stuff they like they like they they plant seeds in younger generations' they heads. Do. You know, like they 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 give the idea. They, they just do. toss it out there. You know, and you know the whispers of the gym. Gin is very strong, right? Big, very strong. Yeah, right? but yo, you said on the show Omar was not. Yeah, like okay. First of all, it's it's. it's I mean, real life. What am I talking about the show? Yeah, real life. It's debate. It's debate about who the real Omar is. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's this person. Some people say it's that person. Um, I know who I thought it was. And I know that person wasn't gay, mm-hmm. right? So I used to be like, yo, let me find out. Yeah, you know <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, watching the show or whatever. And even like- Did you have communication with him? Was he in jail uh, yeah, at yeah, the same yeah, time yeah. as you? All those dudes was in mm-hmm. jail. Like all of- like, So would you, when you, when you approach him, be like, let me find out. Well, how was their reaction? They're probably yeah, hot. He and bot- yeah, yeah he's pissed. We got that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, right? but me, like if it was me on the other hand, I'd be pissed. Like, mm. They're trying mm-hmm. to depict me, but they're making me look like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, they got like um different characters when different mm-hmm. things would happen. They'd be like, um, we know it's them. Like, man, that bull crap, they ain't mm-hmm. like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Guys be arguing, man, that didn't happen like that or whatever. Yeah. So it's like like uh like Mozon, the brother with the bow tie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Clarence Mozon. He's like sent out of state to another state during time, but I never known him to 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 be in the nation. He might have been, but I, I never known him to be in the nation. Um the real Marlo, like certain things that they do, it wasn't, but it was a good, um, cause one thing about Marlo is like the real Marlo, he's a stand-up dude. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain dudes yeah. they depicted and they're real stand-up dudes, mm-hmm. right? So like, I, you can never say nothing bad about them or whatever, they real, yeah. you know, they real dudes. Right? You know, there's this one infamous scene of Omar when they say, Omar's coming, Omar's coming, and they're yeah. throwing stuff out. You know, that's like, a, what I said to myself as a kid, I'm like, yo, that's a story of like Umbe Khattab. Yeah. When he'd take a when corner, the jinns would run. Yeah, you know what I mean? And that yeah. that to me, I used to make that parallel and it was yeah. kind of like very interesting. We used to have a dude, um, we used to have a dude named Teddy, mm-hmm. little Teddy, and Teddy was a stick-up dude, uh, Teddy Washington. And uh he like they I remember like they called Teddy coming, and dudes like close shop. Like instead of like grabbing their guns, they close shop. They not trying to. Deal with mm-hmm. the wrath he bringing, mm-hmm. right? But everybody, 
that's one thing you have to know about Baltimore and the wire and all that stuff. You got all these dudes, Marlo, whoever, Avon, and um, they make it seem like they're the only ones. It's a hundred Marlos, a hundred Avons. Mm-hmm. It's bunches of them. Some for longer periods of time, some for shorter periods of time. Everybody, it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. You're talking about one corner where you can make 60, 70, 80,000, 90,000 in one day. <laughs> and there's so many of those corners. Yeah. Right? People have good runs. Mm-hmm. They have, it don't take long. You have a three week run and you up. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. So it's like there's a lot of people like that. Right? Last question about them. Was there a snoop? There's a real snoop. The female. Yeah, she's a, she was in the joint. She did some time. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a female doing that, no, not that I know of. Okay. Not with uh, Marlo. Not yeah. That, maybe. Yeah. But Marlo's a friend of mine. He mm-hmm. just came home. Uh, if you see this, welcome home, Marlo. But I'm going to get him. Welcome home. Yeah. I'm going to give you my word by the permission of Allah that I'm going to um, get him to, to do one of these. Oh, with you, right? oh exactly. Okay. Might yeah. Have, might have to work something out. Yeah. Yeah. Logistics. We might. Yeah. 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 He did take Shahada. Huh? Did he take Shahada? No, Muslim? his brother did, Tamir. Oh, Tamir. Okay, brother, mashallah. Yeah. That's great, man. So, um, so while you're in the, while you're in the, the, the system, uh, when, when was that time that clicked and you started taking Islam more serious? Uh, I go like this. Mm-hmm. In order to Iman. Yeah, Iman, yes. But um, I started studying. Right and, and for the people who are not Muslim, what is Iman to like, uh, so faith. your faith, right? Faith. Right. Yeah, sometimes your faith is very high, sometimes this is very low, and that's just like every human, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, initially, when I went in, like, that was all I had, and I needed that. Mm-hmm. That occupied me. That gave me a lot of uh, time to put my energy towards something positive, and that's what I did. So uh, studying, you know, we had to, um, and then there were so many brothers in there. We had a, I was in a prison where there was uh, 3,000 people, but like 300 Muslims, mm-hmm. right? So we had a, a big community, and a lot of these brothers were strong men, and I'm trying to learn from them. And we had uh, Juma on Fridays, study class on Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. and then Arabic class on Fridays, Friday mornings. So we, And then we had classes on the tier. So, like, I was always studying. So would someone from outside come inside and teach? Yes. Or you guys teach yourselves? We, a lot of both, mm-hmm. right? Um Somebody would come in. They had a prison chaplain who actually got paid. This is his job. And then also they bring in guests. Mm-hmm. He bring in guests or whatever. But then we like run our own classes. Okay. And these guys have been, you know, studying the dean for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, they get tight just off of reading books. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they read, mm-hmm. they memorize. they Because mm-hmm. you know, their brain is so like active. They're sleeping. They're sleeping for eight hours a day. They're eating right. They're rest well rested. You know. What else you gonna? Yeah. Do? What else you gonna do? You're yeah. absolutely right. I remember something that stuck with me good was um, a day in prison is still a day in your life. So you have to ask yourself, what are you gonna do with this day? Mm-hmm. You know. And it's easy to um, one of the worst things that we do as people is waste time, right? We're blessed with time and we don't use it properly. So we're created for one thing and one thing only. That's to worship Allah. So why not use that time to worship Allah, to get closer to him? Mm-hmm. And what what better place than there, right? Um, this life means nothing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, if a person dies in prison, but they die upon the hop, the truth, then is it better to die in prison upon the truth or 
come out here and be free and die as a, you know, mm-hmm. upon sin, mm-hmm. right? So it's important. That's that's a beautiful message. There's a lot of brothers here in this country and all over that might be watching that are in jail right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that message should keep them up, you know? Keep their head, head strong. Uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, a great scholar, right? Yeah, he, um, he used to say like that, that prison is a is an opportunity. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I think he had a book called Letters from from prison or whatever, and we have that blessing to be able to use this. I sit back now, and you know, being free for the last seven years, I sit back and I think I was like, man, how I wish I still had that time to be able to. And I look at myself and I say, man, I wasted, I wasted years because mm-hmm. I could have done so much more. Now that I appreciate, I understand what time is. Mm-hmm. You know. What I yeah, mean? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you started taking classes, mashallah. You started learning. So uh, what? You started reading, memorizing Quran, hadiths. Memorizing Quran, mm-hmm. uh, hadiths, all of that stuff. Um, it started for me uh, academically as well because I, I didn't do too good in school coming up because, mm. you know, left at a yeah. school at an early age or whatever. So it was first about me getting my GED. I got my GED and then I ended up taking um, some college classes in there. And I was taking college classes. I ended up finishing the college program and then went on to, they had a college program called uh, College for the Incarcerated through Ohio University. Mm -hmm. And I started taking that, paying out of my my own money. And I ended up getting a degree in arts and humanities through that program. MashaAllah. And it's doing that. Uh, between the dean and education mm-hmm. and helping the youth, I ended up creating a, a program called Self Made Man. And it was me and two other guys, and we put this program together, and the program took off. It did really, really well. And um, yeah, I put a lot of time and energy into it, and it made me have feel like I had a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And that's the key to prison. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the key to it. Right? So you, so after, so let's just fast forward. Now you, you're doing your time. Did you? Uh, one last question about prison. Did you end up meeting any famous imams in there or great scholars and teachers? Uh no. Mm-hmm. I was locked up with the the guy. I think we talked about yeah. Adnan. Yeah. I didn't know him. I just okay. knew we were locked up at the same time. Yeah, Adnan Said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the same little prison, but um. Uh, like I said, probably seen brother. him in Jum'ah and huh? stuff. Have no, 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 no. At mm. this time, because uh, I think he was on a different. I, I might have saw him Jum'ah, but I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about his story and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't really a lot. As a matter of fact, um, uh, a guy who's running for the uh, governor right uh, right now in Maryland, his name is uh, Wes Moore. Mm-hmm. There was a brother named uh, Wes Moore, and he ended up, uh, he was convicted of killing a. Uh, police officer, and the police went to look for this other guy named Westmore, and he ended up. Uh, how it all worked out was he ended up on the Oprah show, telling the story of how two people from the same neighborhood with the same name took two different career paths, and he wrote a book called The Real Westmore, and he was on Oprah Winfrey's show. Oh, incredible! So he ended up doing that, and now come to find out, he's running for um, mayor, for governor, a governor. Yeah. So not the guy who's locked up, mm-hmm. but that guy, um, that guy, he ended up, uh, he's the imam now, or was the imam. I don't know what he raised, but Westmore. So I can remember, remember I told you uh, the my buddy's father who gave me shahada and all of that stuff, he was the imam. He used to actually work for the prison system. And his son 
was at that time was fighting uh, Lennox Lewis. Wow. Wow. So Big name. Yeah. Fighting Lennox Lewis for the heavyweight title of the year. Oh, wow. This is my, my friend, his brother, his other brother. He has one brother who's uh, who just finished his, uh, he's getting ready to be a surgeon. So finished medical school. He's a doctor. He's a surgeon. And his other son's going to fight for the heavyweight title. And his other son's doing good things. And here he is. He comes into the joint, gives the clip bar, and he sees me. And he knows I'm in there already. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling shame. Yeah. Uh, and I tell him, I say, man, how do you feel? Like, how do you feel like your son is going to fight Lennox Lewis? And this one's a, a neurosurgeon and all this stuff. And he told me, he said, man, I'm so proud of you. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, he said, there's going to be a lot of surgeons in the Hellfire. And there's going to be a lot of heavyweight champions in the Hellfire. He says, I don't judge my kids' success based on these dunya affairs, based on how good they do in the dunya. I base their success on how good of Muslims they are. Wow. So we always have to remember, man, that our life, everybody's running their race. And it's not about street things. It's not about cars. It's not about houses. It's about Dean. So be the best Muslim you can be. And he was more or less telling me that I was, don't compare your worldly things with success. That's the gist of it, right? MashaAllah. So like, that is profound, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. That is really profound. Yeah. Wow. So um, so you end up being released what year? 2000 and? 2015. May 21st, 15, 2015. May 21st, 2015. So yeah. this isn't the, as you might, like I would have imagined me just walking through the, the walls, but they probably, they shipped you no, the my, first. My mine was a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. I made parole. Mm -hmm. I made parole. And um, I remember going up for parole and, you know, you worried about mm -hmm. it. And, but I did so much at this time. Like I created this youth group that went took off. And like, is it still around the youth, that youth yeah, group? Yeah, so oh, actually, nice. it actually became a parole requirement for, um, and they run it in every prison throughout the state of Maryland. Well, mashallah, yeah. yeah. So like, and you're one of the founding fathers of it. I'm the creator of creator it. Creator of right? it, wow. Commissioner mm -hmm. Allah created this program and it took off and did really, really well. And so here it is, I'm going up for parole and the parole officer, he like more or less just want to know who I am. Mm -hmm. He's like, man, tell me about the program. He's so happy about this program. And um, I, he was giving me parole right off the top. And I remember I made parole and I still got to wait for the commissioner's decision. Because parole, when you go up, it's just a recommendation. It's not mm -hmm. final. Mm -hmm. So I'm like sweating or whatever. And I can remember making dua. Uh, making dua like, yeah, Lord, please help me make parole. Because I literally didn't have any more time left in me. Like I was done. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Exhausted. Like, I'm, I'm done. Fatigue, I can't yeah. do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up making parole and I was supposed to be released in March and I figured they're going to come get me the last day of March. Well, March comes, March goes. I'm like, why am I still here? April comes, April goes. Wow. I'm still here. Every day is feel, you can feel every minute I'm ticking. I'm feeling every minute, man. Mm -hmm. And then finally May comes and I'm like, you know, calling this person, calling this person, like trying to get out, like what's the hold up, whatever, having my family call people or whatever. And they ended up, uh, they ended up coming to get me May 14th. Now I'm just not, I'm not getting released straight away because I mm -hmm. have a deportation detainer. Mm -hmm. And they ended up sending me to uh, the like deportation jail. 
Wow. Right. So I go ice. there. Yeah, ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I go there, it's the first time where it's like the movies. Blacks on one side, Mexicans on another side. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going there. I'm like, okay, here we go. So I'm sitting there and I end up seeing a guy, he's Muslim. And uh, I asked him, I said, where do you, uh, how do you get on duty? He's like, oh, you Muslim or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. So he's like, okay, this is what you do. Hey, brother, you can do this, this, this. And I stayed there and uh, I ended up, I could stay there between two and six weeks, but I ended up knowing one of the like officers from the deportation center through earlier, long story, mm-hmm. but he got me out of there quickly, within a week. Oh, wow. And they, were, they literally told me, um, in the morning, pack up. I packed up and I went down there and it was like, you're a big dude. We're mm-hmm. gonna have to um we're gonna have to send you back and get a van. And I was like, You let me go today? He's mm-hmm. like, I was like, man, you can put me in the trunk. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. Yeah. Right. So uh I ended up uh I ended up driving back through to uh Niagara Falls. Okay. Like that's where they mm-hmm. dropped me off. So yep. you can imagine May. Niagara Falls, I just did 16 years in prison, mm-hmm. and they're dropping me off in like the tourist attraction of Canada. Wow. And I'm walking around lost. Wow. Like literally like nervous, don't mm-hmm. know how to deal with that. Don't know how to use phone. Nothing. Nothing. Like I'm, I'm done. Like I miss so much. Mm-hmm. Now. You're dropping me off here. I remember calling my mom and I told her, I said, I got to find a masjid. Mm-hmm. And I literally found a masjid and went in there and just like uh, felt good. Like, I hear I am crying, 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 right? Feeling really, really good. And then um, stayed there for about 10 days. And then ended up coming out to uh, Edmonton. Well, I mm. went to Medicine Hat. Mm-hmm. That's where my father lived. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with him. And I realized, reconnecting him with him 16 years later. Mm-hmm. And I go there, and we're not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Not really, like, vibing. Mm. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm out of here. And I went to Edmonton, and I was going to go to a homeless shelter. And uh, my aunt, my aunt was like, uh, I didn't know that good. She ended up uh, saying, look, you're going to stay with me. And, so your mom's uh, sister, dad's sister? Dad's sister. Dad's sister. And uh, very nice. And I went there and ended up getting a little job. Like, well, he sent me to this place called John Howard Society. Yeah, so familiar. It's like John a place Howard. for mm-hmm. uh, people who just came home from mm-hmm. prison or whatever. John Howard Society sent me to Alberta Works. Alberta Works gave me some money. I'm like, man, Canada's amazing. They gave me like 900. <laughs> yeah. 900 felt like 9 million yeah. at that time, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, they gave me 900 and it was like, um, you know, go to this place in Edmonton called the Bissell Center and you get work. Like you can go and they draw like names out of a, like balls, like lottery. You draw a ball, you get a number and then they call you and you go work for the day and they pay you for the day and if you do good, they... So I'm just waiting to get one chance. Because mm-hmm. if I get one chance, it's over. I'm going to work so hard, they're going to mm-hmm. keep me. I never got a chance. I kept getting high numbers. The lady kept seeing me in there. And when she saw me in there, she was like, man, you come here every day. I was like, yeah, I can't never get a job. She was like, come, we'll help you with your resume. She said, I got a guy who will, um, if you want to do some yard work, he can do that. He'll give you $100. Can you cut down a tree? I said, lady, for $100, I'll eat that tree. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, that's what I did. I, I went there, and um, she ended up giving me a job with a plumbing company. And I'm, like, working, like, a b- bunch of little jobs. Met a woman, and I don't know. I'm just, like, trying to get married quick. I married way too fast. Mm-hmm. And um, alhamdulillah, I had two, two good two kids. Mm-hmm. And um, 
worked out really good as far as that. We didn't work out. And me coming to uh, me coming to Ottawa, I met my wife now. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, she, she's amazing. Mashallah, she's yeah. She's the best. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so yeah. So, anyway, um, I got a job and then I found out about this oil field thing. Mm. And I was like, man, you can Cha-ching. make money. Cha-ching. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I literally uh, got a job with the, in the oil field and just took off. Right? Yes. And, yeah. Uh, stayed rocking since then. Mashallah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now you're now you're a pipe fitter. Pipe fitter. Yeah, yeah. mashallah. Soon yeah. to be journeyman. Inshallah. Mashallah. May Allah bless your journey, man. Your story is incredible. I hope there's a lot of lessons people take from it. Yeah. And if you have one message to the youth, what what would that message be? Not one message, but if you have a message for the youth, what would it be? Just um, I wish I could have went on to um, go more into the significance of uh, like how important Islam is. Yeah, go you ahead. Know, how go. important Islam is. And um, that we have to, um, our purpose here is to worship Allah. Uh, that's it. Like, that's it. We're all going to die. That's mm. for sure. That is for sure. You meet, you tell me one person who didn't die. Mm. We're all going to die. And um, don't let the shaitan trick you. Don't let him trick you into thinking that everything here is, this is it. You know, we stress about these things. We stress about all these worldly things, man. Treat your mother good. Treat your family good. Treat people with respect. Treat people with respect. People in life will only treat you how you allow them to treat you. And what you put out there, that's what's going to come back to you. If you treat people with respect, they're going to give you respect, right? Um, learn your deen. Make your prayers. And never feel like you're doomed, right? Never feel like you're doomed. Like um, everything is going bad. No, man. Like that's a trick of the shaitan. Understand that he's always trying to beef with you, so you gotta always keep your keep your guard up, right? Consistency. Be consistent in, in what you're trying to do and run your race. Don't worry about Fulan Fulan over here trying to do his thing. He's got this, he's got that. So what? Be happy for him. Alhamdulillah, he has that. Do your thing, right? Do your mm-hmm. thing, run your race, and and be the best you can be. Because at the end of the day, Fulan and his Mercedes, they're going to get judged and you're going to get judged. 100%. So you go ahead and, and do the best you can. And inshallah, we see each other in general. Mm-hmm. That's our goal, right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Thank you so much, brother Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for coming. Yeah, Thank you, yeah. man. This is this has been an incredible story. And inshallah, we'll definitely stay in touch. Inshallah. And, um, if we're ever doing anything with the youth, we would definitely ask you to come and inshallah, I'll probably talk to them in yeah, person. Yeah, I, you know? I still got my, my booklet. Mm-hmm. I still got my manual from mm-hmm. that program. Mm-hmm. I have so many things that I can... That's what my intentions was when mm-hmm. I came home, to mm-hmm. go in that field. But yeah. the dynamics in Canada are mm-hmm. not as strong as they are in the States. Yeah. In the States, is like a real need for it. In Canada, there mm-hmm. is, but it's hard to get in that loop. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So inshallah, khay. And uh, inshallah, I ask that I ask Allah to help you make this show become a big success for exactly. you and make mm-hmm. it benefit the people. 100%. Right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Exactly. Thank you for coming. We are always welcome back here in my house. Yeah. And, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Okay. And that with that said, ladies and gentlemen, like, comment, subscribe, and we're out.